Hello, and welcome to Parents Just Don't Understand. This is your host, Kurt Schiller. We have a great show for you tonight because continuing our somewhat impromptu DC Comics theme, we are going to be talking about the Cartoon Network show, DC Superhero Girls. And joining us to navigate the ins and outs of what is, frankly, a really kick-ass show are two fellow podcasters and aficionados of DC Media, the hosts of Trevor Talks Titans with Jordan, Trevor Drinkwater, and, making his return to the show, Jordan Haas. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Oh, hey, thank thanks. you. <laughs> it's great to be here. Super excited to be talking about this show because uh, it kicks ass. Um, it's a really good show. For anyone who's not familiar with it, DC Superhero Girls is uh, it's on Cartoon Network, and it grew out of a web series uh, by Lauren Faust, and it's basically about... Uh, a collection of DC superheroes or superheroines, as the case may be, uh, particularly Wonder Woman, Zatanna, Batgirl, Supergirl, Green Lantern, and Bumblebee. And they're all teenage girls who go to high school together in Metropolis. And it's very much in the kind of My Little Pony um, slash My Little Pony Equestria Girls type mold, which makes sense since they were created by the same people. Um and uh, I think it's I think it's pretty good. So uh, so that's that's my opinion on the show. It's a good show. <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean, who better to talk about DC superhero girls than two dudes, two grown adults, male, who spent the last like few months just suffering through DC Titans. So anything is pretty much a breath of fresh air compared to Titans. Uh, I enjoy the DC uh, superhero girls. My first exposure to uh, this show was because of Teen Titans Go to the movies. I'm one of the big pro Teen Titans Go people online. I think that is such a whimsical show made for kids. I thought we were going to be talking about that today. And then it turns out, no, we're going to be talking about DC superhero girls, which is also a really, really good show. And you were right. It's Lauren Faust's show. And I would say this deserves that same kind of cult-like appeal of My Little Pony with this because of the different characters, the diverse characters, by the way. You got Jessica Cruz Green Lantern in this. Yeah, um, which I, I was surprised by. And I was not familiar um, with, I mean, I, I'm very familiar with Green Lantern. I was not familiar with that particular version of, of Green Lantern. Is, is that, is she a version of Green Lantern that is like w well established in the, in the comics or is she kind of tweaked for the show? No, no, she's, she's I mean, pretty well, well all the characters are tweaked for the show. Like, like Barbara Gordon, for instance. I mean, like she's not really as spunky and cheerful in the comics as she's like snarky a bit like in the character here, but other than that, not, not much. Uh, but for Jessica, I mean, like, she, she's kind of more mature adult in the comics. Trevor, what do you think? Like, I, I'm not uh, super familiar with the Green Lantern comics, but I know the Jessica Cruz character from uh, one of the Justice League movies that came out. She was in that, and it was about her struggling with, like, uh, depression which was kind of a pretty uh, uh, mature uh, topic to deal with in a superhero cartoon. That was kind of interesting. I don't know if that's in the comics or not, though. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah, I, I think you're, you're very right, Jordan, when you say that the, I mean, yeah, the whole show has been tweaked because it's basically, um, it's, it definitely feels like an outgrowth of the kind of Teen Titans Go aesthetic in that it's, it's a little bit amped up 
Um, the, the ages of everyone are, I, I guess they're all about maybe 14 or 15 um, in kind of in that general range. The show is definitely pitched a little bit younger than that. Uh, just for some for some context, the episodes are about 11 minutes long. Um, they're, they're very much similar in structure to an episode of like My Little Pony where, you know, typically one of the characters is either trying to accomplish something or is learning a lesson about managing your emotions or how to relate to people or, you know, how, how to deal with some kind of everyday uh, common situation. So like Batgirl might be learning to deal with jealousy or uh, Green Lantern might be learning about, you know, trying to make friends with someone who doesn't really want to make friends and is also uh, and an eco terrorist supervillain, <laughs> um, but yeah, and and it kind of follows the characters as they go to school, as they uh, fight crime. Um, it, it's a, it's a really neat setup, though, because I mean, uh, unlike unlike most uh, media that I think is about these characters, they they really don't know who each other are. So at least initially, so there's that that element at the very beginning of like they're all going to class together and then they're also meeting kind of in their secret identities after hours and you know fighting crime and doing stuff which is something that I very much enjoyed from the show. Yeah, you know, um watching this show uh something that I was thinking about a lot was how uh movies like Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel are talked about like they're supposed to be empowering for young girls like seeing, you know, female heroes up on the big screen. But it's really hard for me to imagine like a little kid getting anything out of those movies, you know, like I don't really know what a little girl would relate to. And Captain Marvel, it's like full of jokes about the 90s, stuff that happened before <laughs> they were born. Um, but this uh, as kind of a, a counter to that, this seems like a great example of a superhero thing that's clearly pitched towards a young female audience and has characters that they can identify with and it you know has pretty good messages for for little kids and you see the characters overcoming insecurities learning to believe in themselves and learning to uh you know uh, trust in each other and work as a team and all in a in a context that's very fun and energetic and doesn't take itself too seriously so uh, it seems like I don't have any I don't know any kids. I don't really talk to kids, so I don't really know what they're into. But it seems like a good thing for for children to watch. No, I, I think you're exactly correct, Trevor. Um, and I'm glad that you mentioned the way that the Marvel films are, are kind of pitched as children's media when it's convenient. But when it's not convenient, they're pitched as like the most serious uh, adult media that deals with all these these you know big themes and um this is something that we talked about on our recent batman the animated series episode with leslie uh where like the marvel films are really not kid appropriate you know they are violent in a way that has no consequences the themes are all way over a kid's head um yes the characters are characters that like kids love so i i you know i i can tell you when i'm taking you know our kids to daycare in the morning uh all the kids, or at least most, a lot of the boys are wearing like DC or Marvel, you know, superhero shirts and they know all the heroes. And like, there was one day that I was wearing an Avengers shirt with like the old comics Avengers. And um, 
what one of the little boys was like, that's Spider-Man, you know, and I was like, yeah, that's that's Spider-Man. I looked at his shirt. And he had Iron Man. I was like, yeah, Iron Man's cool. And we, you know, like they know the characters, but so much of the media that's out there, even though these characters are very, very popular with young kids, apart from maybe like the Lego games, which I do think are, are pitched at that age bracket, there's really not that much stuff for a young kid. And I'm talking like, you know, three to seven or so to consume that's appropriate for them. And this is absolutely designed for that age bracket in a way that I'm surprised there's not there's not more stuff. Because I, I don't think there's there's not really like a boy's equivalent of this show that, that I'm aware of anyway. Do, uh, no, when do you, you mean, I didn't mean like for DC or Marvel, because all I can think of is like that superhero squad show that came out a few years back for okay. Marvel. And it Marvel, was Marvel doesn't have any good cartoons. Like, come on, let's be real. It's it, it's it's kind of I would say that that's feels more like like a preschool kind of show because the way they do their themes is kind of simplistic. I the one I always vividly remember was they had like a one where it was like Captain America and Hulk playing frisbee and then with the, with the shield and then the shield goes on the other side of a fence. Kind of like, you know, like when you play with something it's on the next side with the neighbor and oh no, I've never talked to the neighbor before. Oh no, how sp-. Well, this show at least it feels like a reality. It feels like a world that's driven by its characters. It's not really anything that feels like it's made for like preschoolers this feels like a show that's actually meant for actually you can even put this up to high schoolers in certain ways such as getting along and fairness and what i like most about this show is its ability to not really embarrass the characters it's based off of while still uh creating some sort of what's the nice way to put this like a like like a way that you can put yourself into any one of these characters. I think that's the most important part of this show and why I actually enjoy it a lot is you can see yourself as the the Kara. You can see yourself as Zatanna in this. Yeah, and and what's neat is that they they very neatly fit the comic book characters that are going to be very well known to anyone who you know, consume something like Justice League Unlimited or, you know, any number of, you know, DC comics. Um, and they still feel true to the characters. Like Kara feels true to the character of Kara in the comics. Um, but it makes sense that she's kind of like a jock punk kid in this who's in like a punk band and has like anger issues and is kind of like arrogant and and cocky. Like it, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that Wonder Woman's character is kind of the like, you know, preppy, perfect exchange student type. Like it, it all fits both within the context of a high school, you know, cliche, like click type understanding of the world, but it doesn't feel untrue to the comic book characters. Like they're recognizably the comic book characters. They even incorporate some you know, somewhat deeper uh, aspects of the lore of the characters. Like there's an episode uh, with uh, Green Lantern that gets into like the Star Sapphires a, a little bit. And, it, you know, it's it's adjusted to be a more appropriate for kids, but it's recognizably a plot line from the comics, which is something that I appreciate. Yeah. And uh, I also think that um, it, even though it is very true to the characters, you don't really have to 
be familiar with any of the characters going into the show in order to enjoy it, which is part of what makes it great for kids. I can kind of uh, imagine like young kids today, like this being kind of an introduction uh, to this world for them in the same way that like Batman, the animated series or Justice League was for me as a kid. Um, and uh, it's good that it's done in a way uh, specifically with, you know, a female audience in mind also, even though I think boys can like it too. I probably would have watched this show when I was a kid, but not told anyone because I'd be too embarrassed to admit it. <laughs> so I, I think you're exactly correct. Um, I, I, this is definitely designed with a young girl audience in mind, but I absolutely agree that ki kids at that age really don't care. Um, they really don't have the hangups for the most part that adults do. And even that like younger teenagers do, I feel like it's around the, I feel like it's around like 10 or 11. Um, at least when I was growing up, I started to get hangups about that. Like I remember I really liked Sailor Moon when I was a kid and I would have never admitted that to, to anybody. Like I had to like act like, like it super sucked. Um, didn't want anything to do with it because that was a show for girls, but no, man, Sailor Moon's awesome. Um, and I'm totally fine with saying that now. And and so I, I agree with you. There's this I'm completely positive that there's some like 13 or 14 year old boy who thinks that this kicks ass, but like doesn't really want to mention that. Or I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe stuff is better now. Who knows? Um, because is Green Arrow tuxedo mask in the show. <laughs> no, I, because uh... Green Arrow gets actually gets things done. Uh, tuxedo mask. <laughs> Yeah, Green Green Arrow also isn't a total creep who's like twenty five year old years old and hangs around like twelve year old girls and shit. <laughs> Lisa, oh, I like this. Far way, I like this interpretation of Green Arrow. This like theater kid who's just like trying to do like the most over the top reactions, always trying to be the star of things, and is pretty much like the rival for Zatanna. I I like that relationship so much in the shows. Yeah, it is it is funny the way that it's not too precious about like these hero characters, particularly, you know, the boy characters. It's not afraid to uh, you know, kind of make fun of them a little bit. So let's talk about the characters. Um let's do because it. we've mentioned it a bit. Uh so the the core cast is really six girls. Uh there's Wonder Woman, who we already mentioned is kind of like a preppy exchange student at the beginning of the show. She's I, I think she just arrives in a boat, um, literally just like washes up on the shore, pulls the boat out of the waves under her own power and just starts going to high school. Um, and so the first episode or two is like her kind of being like a fish out of water. Uh, there's Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, who has just uh, transferred from Gotham City and um, her, her dad, Commissioner Gordon, has transferred from Gotham to Metropolis. Um, because he thinks that uh, Gotham has like too much crime um, and Metropolis will be better. So she's like a recent, you know, new student. Uh, she's kind of, I, I, I don't, I, she's not really, she doesn't really fit into any specific clique. I guess she's kind of, kind of nerdy, but also like, I don't know. She's just kind of like an, an every girl character. Uh, you have Supergirl, who we already mentioned uh, who is kind of a like punk rock rocker jock type character? Uh, it's you've not got... really a tomboy. Like normally, you would stereotype that as like the Rainbow Dash tomboy adventurous type, but it's kind of different than that. I like that they made Supergirl kind of buff. 
I think that's like a cool way to go with that character. <laughs> Rather than having all the care all the girls be like equally like skinny and frail, you know, of course, Supergirl, she's badass. She's like a big strong jock. Yes, I, I, exactly. And what I liked about it was that when they introduce her, um so like initially she's extremely not into forming a high school super team, which is kind of what happens in the first couple of episodes. And she's just kind of hanging around and like sulking. Um, and won't won't reveal whether she has any powers until I think uh, Diana throws Batgirl off of the roof, and then Supergirl <laughs> reveals that you know like she she can fly, she's super strong and super fast and everything. Um, and there there is a later episode where Supergirl has to uh, defeat Catwoman, um, and it's it's all about this mismatch of like her having to learn how to you know, her, her smarts and they, they make a point of, you know, pointing out that in most fights she can just punch the giant robot or, or whatever it is while yelling Supergirl just goes up and punches it <laughs> and like flies off, you know, into space and that's it. So it, yeah, I, I like what they do with, with, with the character because they, they feel very distinct in a way that I, I think the characters to, to me as someone who's not always super into DC um, I like the characters. I'm just not as not as familiar with it as I am with Marvel, owing to me having misspent my childhood with Marvel characters instead of DC. Um, sometimes the characters can feel a little samey to me in a way that I'm sure that Marvel characters also feel samey to someone who, who didn't grow up with them. But yeah, they do a really good job of making them feel very distinct here. Uh, so yeah, so the last two characters are uh, Green Lantern, Jessica Cruz, as who she's kind of like a hippie, dippy. Um, uh, pacifist. She's a pacifist character. She she is the can we all just get along? I'm not gonna punch you, I'm not gonna fight you. Let's talk this out. Even though she has all the creative outputs because she is a Green Lantern. Yeah, and um she she's an interesting character, and I'm I'm glad that, that they went that direction with her because it's not a character that I think you see a lot in, in kids' media these days. It's often a that's like a very 90s sort of character type, so I, I think so. I, I appreciated it making a comeback for this. And then there's Bumblebee, um, who I have to admit, I was not at all familiar with uh, Bumblebee. Um, are, are either of you able to educate me about uh, who, who, who Bumblebee is in the comics? Bumblebee uh, is one of the old Teen Titans from way back in like the 70s. When early, the early Teen Titans. Uh, usually she makes like came appearances in almost every version of Teen Titans. She's part of the Teen Titans West with like Moss and Menos and all of those characters. They kind of always try to make jokes about that in like er other versions of the Teen Titans comic books. Uh, would not surprise me at all if they do a Bumblebee for season three of Titans. Are you excited, Trevor? I'm not here to talk about that. <laughs> we don't want to no. revisit trauma. Um, it's on nice. But, uh, it's no, nice like, Bumblebee to, uh... is, is, is a very, I, I would say, one of the inter most interesting characters in, in all of Teen Titans because they kind of play play her up as kind of this uh like a like almost like a wasp like the wasp in marvel comics like he, she can fly and that's about it <laughs> and punch things and she gets really small like the atom i like the way i like the way they characterize her here she's like a brainy kind of dorky character who doesn't have a lot of confidence in herself mm -hmm. and her abilities and through her friendships with the other superhero girls she you know learns to believe in herself it's it's good stuff 
Yeah, I really like the episode where um, I, I guess it's the end of the the intro four parter because the 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 series starts with a like four part episode, so it's about an hour um, where all the characters are meeting each other, trying to understand each other, and they have to fight. Uh, I think it's Lex, Lex Luthor's little sister, I believe. Yeah, Lena um, Luthor. Yes, Lena Luthor, who has a giant robot um, that I believe they defeat with the power of rock and roll. Uh, and Kara plays like an awesome guitar solo, and they like electrify it. But to to do that, Bumblebee has to shrink down, uh, like find some confidence, go inside the robot, and like does the like Doc Brown from Back to the Future thing, like bridges the gap, um, and gets zapped to you know short circuit the robot. It was it, it was cool. It was a nice it, it was a nice way of both introducing a character that I think was certainly less familiar. Uh, to me, but yeah, what what you said is very yeah. She's like an inventor, nerdy, not very confident. Um, but it's it's a good it's a good character. It's a very well rounded group in general, and I think the group as a whole is very well written. The banter is nice, um, and they they don't try to cram every character into every episode. Much like My Little Pony, you have episodes that are say just about Green Lantern and Poison Ivy. There's ones that are just about you know, Supergirl and Catwoman. And like the other characters might appear a little bit, but they don't always just roll in, um, you know, super friends style with like eight characters deep in, in every episode. Yeah. I think in the course of the first season, each of the main characters gets a chance to be like the protagonist of one or two episodes, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and the episodes themselves, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about like the the plot and structure of them because I, I think it's I think it's an interesting way of um, bringing somewhat more traditional superhero comic plot lines into a kid friendly medium because I, I think there's as we kind of alluded to earlier, as Trevor alluded to earlier, there's really two ways to adapt these characters into something that kids can consume. And the one way is the Batman the Animated Series version where you lean into the more adult aspects of the characters and you you maybe restrain it a bit so that it's not inappropriate for kids. Um, but, you know, Batman the Animated Series is a very grown-up show and it's challenging kids to engage with more adult media, albeit ones that does have, like, it, it, you know, it pumps the brakes before it gets very, very violent, but it is a pretty serious show dealing with serious themes. Yeah, you have something like Marvel Superhero Squad where it's it's a very little kid show um and you really have these characters that don't bear much resemblance to the characters uh visually they're recognizable but the plot lines really have nothing to do with the plot lines that you would get from the comics whereas uh DC Superhero Girls really does take a plot line that you could have in a standalone issue of the comic it just tones it down a bit and reconfigures it so that it's taking place in a high school with teenagers um, in a way that almost reminds me of that uh, Ryan Johnson film Brick before he became solo multi-blockbuster Ryan Johnson who makes, you know, not particularly good Star Wars movies. Ryan Johnson is is a, a well-respected director, Knives Out, now available in theaters. <laughs> Keep um, my thoughts to myself on this uh, topic. <laughs> One of the things I I think that it I because I like Batman Mansers I love that episode of Leslie because it's like all of those episodes I can go through, but what I think works about this is 
yeah, it feels like like most animated shows like this was intended to sell toys because there is a DC superhero girls like line of toys that you can buy. I, I think it started out as a toy line and the cartoon was an outgrowth of the toys, actually. A fine oh. honored tradition in cartoons. And I like the fact that this also kind of makes it feel like you can like flip it. That's the case. And really is an invert, which I was surprised by. Um, that was my entire thought process of uh, like my little pony, like a toy line turns into a cartoon and then it feeds itself with buy the toys because <laughs> you saw the cartoon. Uh, wow. Now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> so, uh but no, what I like about this is uh, the, the fact that you, like th these episodes all have like different themes that are actually also kind of somewhat relevant even for today. Uh, my favorite episode uh, was the Gotham Con where they go to a convention. <laughs> yeah, so let's. Uh, I definitely want to talk about Gotham Con. There's a couple other episodes I want to talk about, but before we jump ahead to that. Um, let's talk about the larger universe of DC superhero girls, because there's more than just uh, the girls in the show. You also have um, very brief appearances by Superman and Batman, um, but then you also have a variety of su supervillains who appear. And um, the ones that I believe we get a chance to see are Livewire, uh, Harley Quinn, Catwoman, Poison Ivy, Star Sapphire, uh, Lex Luthor's little sister, Lena Luthor, who I, she's not a comic book character. Is she, she was created for, for the show. As far as I know, no, she is L Son Lena Luthor. Gun. She is, but she's not a baby in the comic book. She's a grown woman, I believe. Um, but yeah, so just like, just like the main characters, the villains for the most part are also in high school. And there's a neat dynamic where, for instance, you have an episode where, uh, Jessica Cruz is hanging out with Pamela Isley in high school and trying to be her friend. And then later in the episode, Green Lantern is fighting Poison Ivy and they, they don't know that, you know, they know each other out of costume as well. And it's a nice, like, it's almost like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like dual worlds sort of thing that I, I very much appreciated the way that they integrated the villains into this show. Although, as we were kind of discussing before the show, it is funny how you basically have a, a high school that's all superpowered individuals pretending that they don't have superpowers uh, apart from uh, Steve Trevor, who is just kind of like there. And there's also uh, Lois Lane and like Jimmy Olsen that show up a little bit. Basically, just any character who might be connected uh, to one of the superheroes could be a student at the school. Yeah, and you also do get, um, as we mentioned briefly earlier, I believe, you get uh, some of the boys from, from DC Comics. Yeah. And they initially appear kind of as villains or kind of like misunderstood. Um, at the end of the first season, there's a, there's a, a two-parter episode where they encounter, um, they're initially called, I believe, Da Invincibros. And um, it's it's kind of uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember everyone who's who's in that group. I remember it's um, you have Aqualad, the Flash, Green Arrow, uh, Green Lantern version. You have the Hal Jordan Green Lantern, another. You have Hawkman and then Hawkman, Hawkman. Yes. And then somewhat humorously, their leader is Steve Trevor, um, Wonder Woman's reply guy, basically, right. who 
doesn't have any powers and in the show is just kind of like a like a like handsome dumb guy who wants to go to military school um and they wind up having to fight off uh ursa nan and general zod um in kind of like you think that that the boys are going to be the the villains and then it turns out that that they're not that was i think maybe my favorite episode it was it was fun you know the way they uh the show picks on the boy characters a little bit they're kind of pompous they're full of themselves but like they don't they're not like fully villainous ultimately the girls and boys do manage to work together to defeat like the actual villains and uh and it's uh it's portrayed in a pretty satisfying way that i think has a good message for kids yeah it's a really it's it's a well-told story um i liked that they expanded the universe of the the show a little bit like i certainly wasn't expecting there to be you know more kryptonians introduced i think that that's one thing that really stands out to me about this show is that there is some very light serialization from episode to episode by and large you can just you can just kind of drop in um but occasionally they do kind of bring in something like uh you know Poison Ivy is introduced a few episodes before we meet Pamela Isley, the, you know, c- civilian persona of uh, Poison Ivy. Or, you know, they, they have a big two-parter where, again, they introduce, like, other Kryptonian characters. There's an episode where all of a sudden Catwoman uh, busts out some uh, kryptonite, which Kara doesn't seem to, to, to know what it is prior to encountering it in the episode. There is, there's very light serialized um, elements but in much the same way as like a Saturday morning cartoon of old, um, you know, outside of like a two-parter episode, you really could watch them in in any order. But I, I agree that that episode in particular, I really liked. I liked the sense of like bringing the boys in, setting them up as antagonists initially, uh, and then having them ultimately have to to team up and learn to work together. I thought it was it was very well done. It was and it was also a nice way to wrap up the season. Yeah, it was also um, uh, something I noticed is that up until that point, I think basically all the villains we had seen were also girls. Um, and I think it was kind of a, a good choice to have Zod come in as this sort of grand villain. Um, so that it, because it, it feels a little bit weird to me in um, in like media where the heroes are female, the bad guys always have to be female too. So it's always just women fighting other women. I think it's good, a good idea to bring in male villains also. Well, I, I think there are two exceptions to, to what you said in the show. Um, we, we do get a little bit of Lex Luthor um, right. early on in the show. But he doesn't but directly antagonize the girls. His little sister does. Correct, correct. Yeah, he's he's definitely a villainous character, but he doesn't really do anything um, with, with them, yes. Uh, but I would say someone who is more villainous, humorously enough, is Robin, who is oh, the that's great. most annoying <laughs> that's character true. on the entire show and is absolutely uh, just like a little shit. Like, he's really, really annoying. And they go out of their way to make him super irritating. And they re- the show really throws some shade Robin's way. I think Robin is one of the 
better characters of the show. Robin is fantastic. You didn't say he's a Robin bad character, is Jordan. Great, and I, I do not appreciate all of the Robin trash talk on this episode. I you said you said it was your favorite episode. Oh no, that's why I like it because it really is just like. Robin has that whole like. Are you sure you really like Batman or something? Are you you kind of weird? And it's also like I like the persona of this Robin being like this little dorky guy that you just want to beat the shit out of. Yeah, he he has a very he has a very like nasal whiny voice. So okay, you know what? Let's let's talk about um the Gotham Con episode because that's that's basically what we've we've arrived at. Um. So there is apparently a in this universe there is a a conference that is kind of analogous to Comic Con, um, but it's it's based on the kind of crime fighting scene in Gotham City, uh, and so it's all about Batman, the various Rogues Gallery of you know the the various people in the Rogues Gallery of Batman, and then of course Robin, and Robin is eff- effectively the guest of honor of Gotham Con, and. Uh, Batgirl in her civilian in her civilian persona as uh Barbara Gordon wants to go to Gotham Con with her friend from from Gotham who uh she, you know Harleen Quinzel who she does not know is also Harley Quinn um although you know especially for her I I feel like it's kind of right in the name but you know it's it is a kids show yeah. um and say though they go to Gotham Con together and uh, basically spend the entire episode being um, antagonized and made fun of by Robin as uh, Barbara is trying to basically prove that she is the 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 better hero, effectively. And there's a complicated set of allegiances going on there, right? Because Barbara hates Robin. And uh, so Har- so Harley Quinn, since she's like best friends with Barbara, is like antagonizing Robin uh, to because Barbara is her friend. But since Barbara as Batgirl is a hero, she has to try to to protect Robin from Harley, who she doesn't know is her friend, even though she doesn't like Robin. And it's kind of a, a weird uh, confluence of events that happens. Yeah, there there is a there, there's a really funny gimmick um, where there, there's like a montage of, as you say, like. Harley Quinn basically trying to, let's say, lightly kill Robin. Um, yeah. Cartoonish ways, kind of like a Wiley Coyote yeah. scenario. Run him over with a steamroller. Steamroller, the steamroller <laughs> sequence. Right, exactly. And and Batgirl has to keep saving him, um, even though she can't stand Robin. And every time that she saves him, um, Robin basically like gets the credit or gets more adoration from the rest of the fans at uh, at at Gotham Con, I, I especially like the bit um, where she thinks that uh, Robin has been flattened, um, and then it turns out to be a like cardboard cutout of uh, Robin that was there to take pictures with, <laughs> take photos with. That was my favorite joke. <laughs> uh, and then like of, uh, and I think that episode aired during San Diego Comic Con weekend, so <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and you know it it is it is worth mentioning um i i only literally just learned that uh this was not a netflix show i had no idea that it was it was airing on cartoon network um and actually that the the new season is currently on the air uh right now so and it looks like they have expanded 
um, things even more. Because I, I saw that there was an episode where the Red Lantern Corps appears. There's an episode where uh, Bizarro Supergirl appears. So I'm I'm excited to to go and uh, check that out. On what I guess once it's once it is on Netflix. I'm with you. I thought this was just a Netflix only show. So I it's anything from thereafter. It's kind of like uh oh. I only know about Teen Titans Go. Uh, great. But uh, I the thing pro the only issue I have, and I'm not going to say the negatives here, is the DC Superhero Girls show. I think that only airs on weekends. That's kind of like a that's kind of like a thing that the Cartoon Network does. Is the we'll do the reruns of like three shows during Monday through Friday, and then anything that's kind of the cool new stuff we'll just put on weekends. I uh, don't have cable, so. I don't know about that stuff. It doesn't really make any difference to me. So for for kids nowadays, I really don't think it matters. Um, I think that kids nowadays just watch whatever they want, whenever they want to watch it, because everything is available all the time. I think it's that all very, on demand. Right. It's all it's all on demand. I think that the the notion of watching stuff live as it happens is not something that's particularly cared about by kids nowadays I, I think that if kids want to watch this they're probably just watching it streaming on netflix or they're watching it on that like uh you know the like cartoon network uh st streaming website is would would be uh my, my assumption our our own kids watch it uh on netflix in kind of like waves uh so there is there is another episode that i wanted to specifically talk about and uh that is the one where we've mentioned it a couple times where Green Lantern, Jessica Cruz, um, tries to make friends with uh, Pamela Isley. And the reason I want to mention this is because um, I actually found this to be a very emotionally effective episode. So the, the plot of the episode is that uh, Jessica Cruz is trying to get everyone to care about the environment, and in particular to care about this big tree that is going to be cut down to make way for effectively a uh, Lex Luthor branded Starbucks. It's called like a <laughs> um, Wait, are you telling me billionaires are bad even in this universe? Yes, you know. Uh, okay, so so sidetrack, but not um, all of them. Not not all of them, but most of them. And actually, I think the show um, has a lot of very passing. Um, passing mockery of capitalism because if you notice whenever it shows these like high-rise buildings um it, a lot of the buildings have big almost they live style signs on top of them that just say like money or like commerce to in like you know 40 foot high <laughs> uh billboards and you only very briefly glimpse them but it was it was a touch that i appreciated and they also are you know they're very critical of the kind of crummy job that uh, Barbara Gordon has to get in a, a couple of the episodes working at a like burrito restaurant. A, a, a burrito restaurant that called Burrito Hut, I believe. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it, supposed it, to look like a, like a Taco Bell kind of thing, but kind of is formulated based on Chipotle. <laughs> it, it is a culturally appropriative uh, burrito restaurant, to be fair, but they they do not depict the the restaurant in a particularly positive. Like, it's a culturally appropriate. There's a there's a sombrero. There is a, a Mexican flag. All the basics that you can come to know and love from 
a restaurant that sells burritos. Yeah. Uh, but but no, like I that the episode with Pam Isley. It's the they they were it's the it's the tree protest. Yes, and um, but basically what winds up happening, you know, not to spoil an eleven minute long cartoon episode, um, but uh, you know. Pamela Isley and Green Green Lantern, J- 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 uh, Jessica Cruz, even though they are trying to work together as civilians effectively to protect the tree, wind up fighting because um, Poison Ivy is basically an eco-terrorist, wants to use force to ba- basically, you know, kill potentially the, the workers that have come to cut down the tree and build the Starbucks, um, whereas Green Lantern wants to protect them from that. And inadvertently winds up uh, destroying the tree. And I, I specifically wanted to mention this because when I watched this uh, with my daughter, she got there's a sequence where uh, Poison Ivy, as Pamela, you know, kind of conveys to the audience and to Jessica the the history of the tree, how it started as an acorn, it grew up in the forest, it, you know, provided shade to the animals and, and you know, comfort to the other trees around it. Uh, and then eventually it was the only tree left. And then they, they um, Green Lantern inadvertently uh, knocks down this tree that has become the, the king of the forest, as Pamela says. Um, and when that happened, my daughter went, oh no, the king, the king. Um, and my heart like snapped in half <laughs> when that happened. And but then I was I was very relieved that they do show that they get an acorn and they plant it together, and you know everything's fine. The the tree will eventually grow back, although not in that location because there's now Starbucks. And that doesn't later become like a hangout spot in the show. Does like, it they have some con- continuity in this? I, I, I do remember that they spend a lot of their time hanging out at, uh, I believe it's called Sweet Justice, which is a like ice yeah. cream store that they all hang out that, at. That Wally works at. Oh, yes, no, it's a, it was a Wally work at, or was that where? Well, it's no. the Flash, but I think it's Barry Allen, not Wally. Oh, it's Barry Allen, not Wally? Okay. I, I the Flash so. works there, and I just love the, the callbacks in the Superhero Boys episode when they all reveal each other's secret identities <laughs> and everyone is like antagonistic about each other. Like, wait, you're all, you're this, you're that. And then it's the, when Barbara is revealed to be Barbara and flash is revealed. It's like, wait, from sweet justice. <laughs> and instead of like this antagonistic, they're just excited to know each other. Um, I did feel kind of bad um, for Bumblebee uh, when they, reveal her secret identity oh, yeah. and like none of the boys know who she is um, who is that well they don't know oliver queen but i would think that was a zatanna joke like i don't know who you are i know everyone like like but for bumblebee when yeah. when she screams out ah, everyone's just like who mm-hmm. and but the thing is i think that is kind of her twist is everyone around her is the popular one in one form or another either through their activism what they do in the school what they do to the community and it's just like her whole trait is just she's the sidelined character that just wants to fit in and doesn't know how mm-hmm. she's she's small she's kind of invisible people don't really notice her so uh as the kind of designated parent on the show um i always like to explore kind of what kids can learn from these shows what the messages are 
Um, we've kind of recently been on a run of episodes. We were talking about more more adult media or more teenage focused media, which is a bit less message oriented. This show, um, although the characters are fifteen or sixteen, I think Trevor, uh, you were saying before the show, it's kind of more maybe like seven to nine years old. Um, I would agree with that. Our my my daughters are so, somewhat younger than that, um, and you know our youngest daughter is not really cognizant of what's on the television, except it's a bright box. But our uh, three year old, who's almost four, uh, definitely understands what's going on. Um, I, I asked her a couple of questions about the show and got very uh, three year old type answers. Um, she explained to me that her favorite character is Batgirl, uh, and when pressed, I about why. Batgirl was her favorite, she said, uh, because she's my favorite. Um, but I, I do remember I asked the same question about Batman the Animated Series, and she said that Batman was her favorite because he wears black, which I think is a <laughs> fine answer. Um, but I, I, we were kind of talking earlier about like what kids can learn from this show. Um, it, it, there's a lot. Uh, this is very much in the My Little Pony mold, where there is a lesson or multiple lessons from each show. Um, and I think this is a very potentially edifying show for really any kid, even but maybe like older kids. Um, it covers a lot of stuff. It covers like jealousy, emotional intelligence. It covers kind of, you know, gender roles and relations, the, the way, you know, relationships with people's parents, relationships with people who are both uh, figurative and literal enemies. Um, I, I think it does a very good job. Um, I know that the two of you are not parents, um, but what did you think of the kind of message aspect of this show? Uh, I, I think it's good. I mean, it seems like it has, uh, I mean, I, I don't have kids, but I do uh, watch a lot of uh, shows that are meant for kids. And I, I kind of appreciate the fact when a show has like, uh, you know, positive messages that a kid can take away from it, but without kind of being, you know, heavy handed about it, which I think this show does pretty well. It's a, it's kind of, it's a very silly, like fun kind of show. And I think that the, the messages sort of come through in the action without uh, really like the characters don't like, you know, address the camera and talk about what they learned. It's kind of like, you know, it conveyed through the action of the show, which I think is the right way to do it. Yeah, I, I I I agree with that. Um, I agree with that very much. Uh, I mean, for a young enough kid, their brain is just kind of a sponge. So, like, if you just say a message into the camera, as you say, for for a very young kid, I think that's just as, if not more, effective. Um, but you you very quickly grow out of that and find that kind of overbearing. This is a good show, but you, when you said like this is going to be the show where where girls are obviously going to be watching and talk about it because of uh. A, the diversity of the cast and B, the inclusion message and boys are going to be watching this show, but as a secret like, I don't want to admit it that I like, you know, Jessica Cruz, because she's a girl that there's still a little while to go but I, I think all there needs to be is some sort of reinforcement that this is okay for boys to watch in some regard and episodes like the Superhero Boys episode should kind of give that that statement of this is kind of for everyone this is that was the entire message plot was <laughs> it's for everyone yeah so, it i think there's like a tone to this show that's generally reserved for um entertainment for boys you know it's a very action-oriented show 
the style the style of humor is very kind of boisterous it doesn't feel uh like too um uh precious or too cutesy in the way that like uh cartoons for girls often are yeah i i i i agree with that um and i think it does a good job of blending those elements and kind of creating a like a synthesis show um much the way that you know i i think that children's entertainment has become less and less gendered over time which i think is very good um speaking as a parent i'm very sensitive uh what i say i should say we are very sensitive about you know exposing our kids to like prescriptive gender roles because it's really not an especially healthy thing it doesn't give them anything positive to tell them like well girls wear pink boys wear blue that that doesn't there, there's nothing positive about that whatsoever um and the extent to which I, I think we can unify the experience of media and culture especially for children i i i think is positive and so you know i i like that the point of view of this show is pretty gender neutral although you know all of the characters are female identifying um there's really very little about the the plot or the actions that is you know that is gendered it's just kind of like well here's these characters um and you know the the fact that they are all uh girls is kind of like i, I you know i i'm generally critical of i think pure representation that doesn't doesn't serve any purpose beyond that but for kids um pure pure representation is important because you know kids will see themselves in the characters uh and there's certainly been a hole in there's certainly been a gap in superhero media that has been for um not you know not just not just young girls but like girls in general um but it is it is nice to see a show that's that's pitched to young girls but i think that increasingly we're going to see shows like this being popular with boys too because like again, it's it's a good show. To me, it just feels like something like Teen Titans. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Teen Titans is a show for boys, um, even though, you know, m most of the characters are 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 boys. It, I guess it's you've got like, you know, a, a like three two split for the most part. So it's it's pr pretty close to equal. But even though this is mostly girls, it's I, I wouldn't call it a a girls show. And I think that especially for young kids, there's an opportunity to give them a message that like you know, these are just characters. Like, it's it's not like oh, Batman is for the boys and Batgirl is for the girls. They're just like they're just characters. They have very similar plot lines. You could very easily have made this show with all the, you know, just basically just make it like an, an all male Teen Titans. But I, I had a question here. Uh, my question is, how does this show compare to other superhero oriented shows? with a uh with a with female leads such as powerpuff girls that's a good question um i have not watched powerpuff girls with my kids um i've watched it a fair bit um you know as a uh as a teenager it was it was on when i was a teen and i watched it a bit more when i was like like a young adult um i think that powerpuff girls is um pretty similar to this actually i i would say that overall the the tone is very similar and that show similarly is not an overly gendered show even though it is literally called powerpuff girls and about you know three young girls who have superpowers um 
Yeah, I, I loved Powerpuff Girls as a kid. I remember really liking it. And I actually remember one time, like, in middle school, like, mentioning in a class that I liked Powerpuff Girls and, like, getting laughed at. And I thought that was, and even at that age, I thought that was kind of stupid because I felt like I could tell that the tone of the show was, like, I could tell that it was a little bit of a joke. It was a little ironic. Like, even though it's about these girl superheroes, it's also uh, almost like a parody of like a girl superhero thing where it's, I didn't feel like it was necessarily just meant for a girl audience. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's not like, I mean, you know, in, in this show, um, we, we see a fair bit of the inner lives of these characters, you know, when they're not being superheroes. Uh, to my recollection in Powerpuff Girls, it's pretty much only about them being heroes. Like occasionally there, I think there will be some stuff where they're not in kind of the hero mode. Um, but that was pretty much just like an action show from my recollection. Well, you you see what their lives are like, but they're like little, they're like in kindergarten. They're like little girls. They don't really have anything interesting. <laughs> going on in their inner lives like a teenager would you would be surprised how much a three-year-old has going on (laughs) fair enough also they do go back and forth between the heroes and their outside personas like you yeah you get almost equal measure of batgirl and barbara gordon equal measure of kara and supergirl equal measure of zatanna and I, I kind of dig the like if they if these characters, I think that's kind of where it blends. So it's like if these characters were in high school, what would they be doing if they were in high school? I think that's always what I love about the characters. It's because it kind of branches into what makes each one of these characters special. Like which one's the preppy girl? Which one is the one that would definitely do all the homework <laughs> Write every essay, get like the the perfect score in the SATs. Who's the one that's like the the person that would do well in gym class? You you do touch on an a, a funny aspect of this show, which is they have effectively taken um, a, a big chunk of the most famous DC Comics characters and down-age them to all be in high school. The only characters, heroes at least, that we encounter who are grown-up um, seem to be Superman and Batman, right? Like, So yeah. this show seems to suggest... And Lex, I think. It is, I, I kind of took Lex to be like 18 or 19. Yeah, Lex seems like a teenager, actually. Yeah. And in the episode like college age, but yeah, I could see where he points. <laughs> in the episode with Superman, it seems like we're supposed to understand that he's like just recently out of high school himself. Like he says something about being an adult and like Supergirl challenges him on it. He's like, oh, I graduated three years ago or something like that. Oh, I didn't pick up on that because what I was going to say was it kind of like posits a world where Superman and Batman are the are the only grown up superheroes. <laughs> who have the whole the entire world to, to take care of while all the rest of the still in uh, in high school it's a little bit of a weird choice to age down wonder woman while not also aging down uh superman and batman um in the uh in the shorts the best friend super best friends forever shorts that like i that lauren faust did that this show is sort of based on it was actually wonder girl not wonder woman 
So uh, it was it was it was Batgirl, Wonder Girl, and um, Supergirl. So it was all supposed to be like uh, female sidekick characters. Uh, so I thought I was a little I was a little it was interesting a choice to like change it to Wonder Woman, maybe just because she's a more recognizable character. So can can I I have not really seen those shorts. I've seen like one or two of them. Can you can you tell us a little bit of, about them and maybe like what what the differences are between those shorts and what what the show ultimately became? Um it, it's I mean it's basically the same tone. The animation and character designs are all the same and I think the voices of those three characters are the same. It's just the three of them. It's not in like a high school setting, I don't think, as far as I remember. It's been a while since I watched them, but um, the that that aspect I think was brought into it because of because this was an updated version of an existing franchise. Uh, so it's kind of like a combination of those two things of the earlier DC superhero girls show where they're all in a high school, but kind of done. Uh, in the style of those shorts. So apart from the setting and the fact that it only has half of the characters, I mean, it's very uh, similar in style and tone. So I, I think we've pretty much covered uh, most of what there is to say about the show. Um, it sounds like we're mostly on the same page, but uh, let's do some some closing thoughts. Uh, I as I will say before, and I'll say it again. Lauren Faust is a, a one of the most innovative animators and creators in modern time, and she has a way of turning any sort of IP into a phenomenal uh, show that actually gives people empathy that makes you care about these characters. And I wish the DC superhero girls had the equal an equal amount of cold appeal as My Little Pony, the original one. Because you can see like some of the aspects of the My Little Pony characters, your Pinkie Pies, your Fluttershies, your Rainbow Dashes in these characters, but they've now evolved into something that's more of a clash between two or more that I think makes this the next step, the next evolution from that show. Um, I had never really watched uh, My Little Pony, so I wasn't really that familiar with Lauren Faust before this. Um, so, but uh, I do think it's really good. Uh, I I saw it pop up on Netflix, and I'll pretty much watch any kind of cartoon bullshit that has to do with DC Comics. That's just the kind of person I am. <laughs> and I was really pleasantly surprised because I mentioned the previous superhero girls show which I'd seen a little, or I guess it was a web series. I'd seen a little of, and it wasn't really that interesting. It was a lot more bland. The characters were all kind of drawn the same. They didn't all have like um, unique designs and characterizations the way they do in the show. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a breeze to watch. Uh, I really like it. And I was very happy to come on here and share my male perspective um, on this uh, <laughs> young girl's entertainment. Uh, but I, I do think it's great, and I do think it is something that could be very empowering for young girls, but without being heavy-handed about it, which is great. Do do your kids like the show, Kurt? Uh, they they do. I, I mean, so our our kids are um let let's let's round up slightly and say four and one. Um, and so our our one year old doesn't really have an opinion. Like I said uh, earlier, TV is basically just 
a glowing rectangle to her, um, although it is very interesting. Um, our our four year old uh, is uh, very into the show, um, so I we we uh, I put it on uh, a few months ago when I saw it pop up on on Netflix, and I said, "Hey, uh, do you want to watch uh, the superhero show?" And there was another there was another superhero show of some kind. Um, oh, there's a there's there's a kids show that I I, I hopefully not neither of you have have encountered uh, called PJ Mask. Where it it is um it's it is a uh, I, I think it too started as like a promotional tie-in um for a a line of like products or toys um and in this case they're they're like pajamas that look kind of like superheroes um so so PJ Mask is a show about these three like adolescent superheroes um who turn into superheroes at night when they go to bed and they go out and fight crime so she was already kind of into uh su- superheroes so. Uh, I put the show on and said, "Hey, do you want to watch the superhero show?" And she was absolutely into it. Um, and we watched every episode like five or six times. And she eventually kind of lost interest just because there's aren't there's, there's really not that many episodes on Netflix currently. Um, but she's very into it. And in in the way of kids of that age, a lot of it has uh, s- stuck with her. So like when we started watching it again earlier, because I was preparing for the show. Um, I was pointing out the different characters, and she knew who all who they all were. And I, you know, I, I pointed at like Green Lantern, and she said, "Oh, that's Jessica." Um, and we we haven't had a conversation about this, in, you know, like a month or two. So I was kind of impressed that she remembered them. So it's you know, in in terms of like D- DC Comics accomplishing their you know marketing goals of getting a new generation of of kids and especially young girls into these comics and characters, um, you know, I, I think they're they're definitely hitting their marks. Um, what I would say as a parent overall um, is I, I would I would echo a lot of what you said, Trevor, in that I, I think this is a very empowering show for girls, like young girls, especially in a way that isn't immediately going to be apparent to them. Um, because something that I always like to come back to uh, when we're talking about media is k- kids don't know what normal is. The only thing that they know is, you know, the, the limited range of experiences in media that they have seen. So to us, we look at the show and say, oh, like, this is a show that is different from Teen Titans. It is all girls. That's different. That's a, that's an empowering decision. You know, if you're four, you, you know, my daughter has never seen Teen Titans. She has no idea what, what the norm for superhero shows is. So to her, this is informing what her idea of normalcy is. And the idea of normalcy that it's giving her is that, hey, girls can be superheroes. There's these girl superheroes. Uh, they they are equally as important as the boys, and, and in fact, here they, they have an entire show, um, and they're they're doing like big important stuff. They're fully realized characters, uh, c- critically, and this is extremely worth calling out. Um, none of them are sexualized in, in any way, not even like slightly. Um, and it's I would say it is an across the board positive experience for her to consume. I I believe. Um, and I think it's a it's an across the board positive you know addition to kind of the superhero media canon. As we've kind of talked about, it it balances all the different aspects of superheroes um, in a way that is both engaging and appropriate for kids. And I I think that you know to to Jordan's comment, I I think that in ten years this show probably will be remembered as fondly as My Little Pony now. So. Uh, good job, Lauren Faust. Good job, Cartoon Network. Good job, uh, 
DC Comics. Uh, Marvel, uh, maybe do better. Maybe do better. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Check um, out Disney, Disney Plus. You can go get your Marvel cartoon on. You can go watch PJ Mask. That's a Disney Junior show. Oh, is it? I didn't. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, season one and two. So feel free to send over pajama mask. Uh, but I, I, I just want to know the the shocking thing about this is, even though it's on Cartoon Network, it's only like limited amount of episodes on Netflix. It's not on DC Universe. That's very strange. Um, I, I, it, it, is that because maybe they they don't own the licenses to to this show? I, I guess like. Yeah, because DC's intellectual property like parceled up more than Marvel's is, I guess. Yeah, definitely, because DC Universe is pretty new, and um, I think probably because some of the earlier DC Superhero Girls stuff was on Netflix, they might have had an existing contract like for that uh, particular IP. Well, Trevor and Jordan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, Where can people find more of your podcasting work? Uh, well, well, Trevor Talks Times is over on the Funtime Calls Network at anchor.fm slash Funtime Calls. Uh, don't ask for a season three, uh, but more stuff will be over on patreon.com slash Jordan Haas. Uh, and you can check me on Twitter at Jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A. Uh, I also um, just started a podcast with a couple of our other friends, uh, Ted and Rose. Uh, it's where we analyze the the films of kevin smith from a somewhat critical point of view in my case very critical but the other hosts are a little bit more soft on the subject than i am uh that's called we need to talk about kevin we just did our first episode (laughs) we just did our first episode so it may or may not be available to listen to uh at while you're hearing this uh check that out uh if you want to follow me on twitter i'm at trev underscore drinkwater Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking with us about DC Superhero Girls. And uh, thanks, everyone, uh, for joining us tonight on Parents Just Don't Understand. Uh, Have a great one. Cheers. Cheers.